Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host at Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Nitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Uh, today is July 11th, and we have with us the legendary Jesse Powell, CEO and founder of Kraken, the largest Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchange in the world, especially when it comes to exchanging cryptocurrencies for fiat currencies. Welcome to the podcast, Jesse. Thanks, Trace. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, so let's uh, let's just jump right into this. You've been around the space uh, for a long time. You've seen it grow in you know waves as we've had different price bubbles and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, when we look at scalability, a lot of people seem to really focus on scalability at the protocol level. I like to step back a little bit and look not just at the protocol, but also at the infrastructure surrounding it, our businesses, whether it's Kraken or Coinbase or BitPay or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's let's kind of start with scalability at the protocol level. Uh, We've got things like Segwit2x. We've got BIP148, BIP149. We've got Segwit. Like, where's Kraken come down on all this stuff? Yeah, so we get this question a lot. And... um our, our official position is that we don't take a position on protocol debates for any of the 16 coins that we add uh, or, or that we support, nor do we take a position on a monetary policy of any of the five fiat currencies we support. Uh, so, you know, we provide a marketplace. We try to remain neutral. Some of these protocols are developing so fast and, and we're adding more coins so fast that it's just impossible to really thoroughly evaluate everything and and keep track of the debates and this debate in bitcoin has been going on now for for years so it could be somebody's full-time job to keep up with what's going on here for each of these coins and so we try just to stay out of it you know it's, it's not our place to say um what we wouldn't like to see is any kind of contentious fork that, that creates a a custodial problem for us where we have to uh, freeze funding for a long period of time or halt trading on an asset while um, the fork is decided. So what about something like BIP 148? Uh, assuming it actually does uh, have enough hashing power to get across the difficulty readjustment and we were to have this, uh, this fork happen that could result in like a potential reorg or things like that, how... I mean, how would Kraken approach this custodianship issue? Yeah, so the, the reorg or, you know, wipeout situation is a real concern for us. Um, if, there were, if there were perceived risk of that, I think we would have to freeze funding. Both deposits and withdrawals? I think we could still take deposits. Um, you know, I think what we would do in the event of a fork is, is we would effectively have two coins uh, everybody with a balance on Kraken would have two coins. 
um, just as we did with ether. And, uh, until the resolution of the fork, uh, we felt confident that there wasn't going to be a reorg funding, uh, at least withdrawals would be frozen. Uh, if you deposited Bitcoin, you know, if there were no risk of replay attacks, uh, you know, you would get one coin or the other, depending on what, which fork you, you funded from. What, what about, uh, like Ether, Ether, I think is a kind of a good example of this Ether, Ether classic issue. From what I understand, Coinbase lost $28,000 more or less uh, that they made their customers whole with, mm-hmm. but they ate the loss on mm-hmm. this. What about Kraken? Like, how did the Ether, Ether Classic play out for you guys? Like, how did you handle that fork? Uh, so just as described, we, we split the coins and we kept track of both coin balances and, uh, we had replay protection. So, um, you know, whenever somebody sent a coin in, uh, we replayed it on the other chain for them. So they would get both coins and, um, and vice versa. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, we did that despite the uh, advice we got from, uh, the Ethereum foundation and, and people in the community that, uh, there was not going to be two coins. Um, you know, everybody said, don't worry about classic, like that's going to go away. Only worry about, you know, this, this new forked coin. Um, and it's a good thing that we didn't do that because we would have been in, in the same position where we would have, have, have suffered replay attacks and we would have lost the classic coins and, and either our, our clients would have lost the coin or, or, you know, it would have been on us to, to make our clients whole for that. Well, I mean, there's a good chance, uh, at least under doctrines of waste or legal doctrines of like waste or unjust enrichment that, I mean, you've got this fiduciary duty, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, the, these types of forks or things, they can really create, would you say, an unnecessary amount of work uh, for the exchanges and whatnot? Or is that just the business that you're in? You know, to some extent, it's the business we're in. Um, whether it's unnecessary or not, you know, I, I don't know. I, or are you agnostic? Some, sometimes agnostic wars are necessary, <laughs> right? Uh, you, you can't always solve everything in an in, in amicable way. And it seems like the Bitcoin debate has just kind of come to a head now and, and we're beyond, um, negotiation now. And it's kind of that, like, bring your guns out, <laughs> bring out your hash power. Yeah. Your hodling keys. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but this, this raises another question, which we had to deal with, with Ethereum, which is who gets the name Bitcoin, right? You know, it, it's despite the, the, you know, you have the users deciding which wallets they want to use. You have the miners putting their hash power on a particular chain, but it's really the the wallets and exchange service providers who, who kind of control like what we call Bitcoin. The branding. The branding, right. So which coin is it? And we did it with Ether. And, you know, really, probably what we now call classic Ether is is the real Ethereum, right? And, and the forked one is is something else. It's like we have to decide this in Bitcoin as well. If there is going to be, if there are going to be two Bitcoins, it'll be up to the exchanges to decide which one is, we continue to call BTC or, or XBT and which one gets a new ticker or a new name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is still to be decided by, well, the exchanges, you know, I don't think there's any consensus on that either. Yeah. And, well, I mean, there was the letter signed by, I think 20 exchanges or something. 
Yeah. Um, so that was about Bitcoin Unlimited specifically. Um, yeah, but BIP 148 is a whole different animal because right. like it's, it's a soft fork where one could actually like retake and reorganize a chain. Right. So, and, and even, even Peter Woola in the, uh, the Bitcoin development chan- IRC channel said, well, I mean, if the BIP 148 gets longer, then it's the longest chain and it's valid. So right. it's Bitcoin. Right. And so that, and that's what, you know, core, core would recognize it as such because that's how the Bitcoin core software would work. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is, this is, this could get very kind of interesting. Yeah. It raises philosophical <laughs> questions as to, you know, what is trademark law? Yeah. How do you like define this? Bitcoin? Is it the longest chain or is there some other, you know, some other component of it that, uh, that we should take into consideration? Yeah. Well, all un, <laughs> perhaps, uh, unsolvable questions until one gets to court, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't see hopefully going to court, but well, I mean, if, uh, like if, if Coinbase decided that they weren't going to, you know, reimburse people the $28,000 and people were going to take a loss and they felt they shouldn't take the loss. I mean, how else is that dispute going to be resolved? And sure, yeah. except in this case, we're not talking $28,000, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking potentially hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, or billions or, yeah. or billions. We're talking $40 billion market cap. Yeah. And even ether classics at like a one and a half billion market cap, even still. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so that minority spinoff, uh, token, you know, even if it, only takes 5% of Bitcoin's current market cap. It's, we're still looking at a $2 billion market cap altcoin that comes yep. out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we get asked a lot as well lately, um, are my Bitcoin safe with Kraken? And we tell people, look, the safest thing for you to do is, of course, to not give custody to anybody else. You know, <laughs> right. Take it yourself and take responsibility for managing the fork yourself in the way that you see fit. Um, but, but in order to do that, you, you've got two components, right? You've got network consensus and private keys, right? Right. So when we're, I mean, we're talking about network consensus issues here. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, is how, I mean, how on top of the game is Kraken when it comes to network consensus issues? I mean, you're managing 16 coins. Yeah. So, um, you know, with Bitcoin specifically, uh, we use, the BitGo wallet for a hot wallet. So, you know, ultimately, I, I guess it, it could be up to us to, to leave BitGo and go do our own thing if we disagree with BitGo about um, how to handle the protocol or how to run the wallets. Um, but we interact with them quite a bit about how how we see, uh, you know, handling the situation. Um, with regard to the other protocols for the other 15 coins uh, that we offer, um you know, this isn't some deal with forks in different ways. Some have really, really great ways of dealing with forks and protocol upgrades. Um, and they don't seem to have the, the same, uh, political issues that Bitcoin has. Well, they're not as big. Right. Right. So understandable. So we haven't had as, as hard of a time. Really. The, the only other major issue you had has been ether. Uh, so this, this will be, I guess, the second test of how to handle a major fork. Could be fun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for the bystanders, but you know, for the exchanges and the wallets, I think it's a, in the miners, it's they're, they're the, the, miners, the miners yeah. are the ones who really have to put their money where their mouth is by choosing which side of the fork to mine. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we all get on the same side pretty quickly. And, um, and there's not a protracted battle. 
Yeah. Could, yeah, could be interesting. Uh, you know, switching gears, the, uh, marker palace is currently being charged and tried in, in court in Japan for embezzlement and data misuse and yeah. other charges. Yeah. You guys, Kraken was awarded to, uh, by the bankruptcy trustee to distribute the 202,000 coins. Right. And if I remember correctly, you sent forms out and people created their accounts and like mm-hmm. they're all ready to receive them. Mm-hmm. What's the deal? Like, where's the 202,000 coins? Why haven't we got them? Well, the trustee still has them. Um, as far as I'm aware, the, the last thing holding up the payouts is the, uh, the ongoing litigation with coin lab, coin lab, uh, which is, I believe they're asking for $75 million for, an alleged breach of contract with Mount Gox over, uh, in, in my view, kind of a ridiculous deal that went south, um, years ago. I think this was like 2013, uh, that this deal was made. So, um, so basically there's, there's effectively like a, a business claim against, uh, the client's funds effectively, you know, I don't know if you ever see this in, in banking, you know, where you have a custodian, uh, yeah, some, really odd, putting, you know, with, with the client's funds at risk to pay, uh, like a business creditor. So, you know, I don't really get that. Um, but this is being hashed out in Japanese court, uh, and in U S federal court. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think there's, there's also another $5 million on top of this. Um, that was given as a deposit of sorts, like for this deal back in 2013. And, uh, and that deposit was never returned. Well, who, so who gave the deposit and who received the deposit? So Mountain Rocks gave the deposit to Coin Lab and Coin Lab. And Coin Lab, uh, so Coin Lab was going to operate the exchange business in the United States for Mountain Rocks. Like effectively, uh, I, th- I think the premise of this deal was that Mark didn't want to deal with U.S. regulation and uh, and getting all the licenses to operate in the U.S. And so he was effectively going to hand off the U.S. component of the business, the U.S. clients, to CoinLab to operate in the United States. Uh, but a condition of that handoff was that um, CoinLab get the necessary licenses to do the operation, right? Otherwise, they're no better off than uh, Mount Cox just doing it themselves. Uh, without licenses. So CoinLab never got the licenses, uh, but kept the $5 million deposit that the market sent. Uh, so they have that plus they have, and, and now they're asking for, uh, but, but the trustee's trying to get that $5 million return. Trustee's trying to get the 5 million back and obviously have the, the $75 million case lawsuit dismissed. Right. Yeah. But CoinLab is bankrupt in the meantime. So, whether they even have that $5 million is, you know, it's questionable. And, and coin lab, if I understand it correctly, that is Peter Vestness, who was the chairman of the Bitcoin foundation. Right. That's right. So, so effectively we've got a bankrupt coin lab with a frivolous lawsuit that's holding up the distribution of 202,000 Bitcoins to rightful, uh, that, that were held in a custodianship relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's holding them up with a business related lawsuit 
on these customer funds. Right. 202,000 Bitcoins. Right, right. So he's effectively asking the Mt. Gox victims to pay for his business problem. He's right. hold, well, I mean, he's holding them all ransom. Yeah, effectively. Exactly. So that, you know, I, he obviously wants to settle. That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> you know, at this point, personally, I wouldn't take on that risk. I mean, it seems like you got a lot of angry creditors that have been waiting for the Bitcoin for a long time. Well, I mean, what's Stalin okay. say? No man, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like a really bad idea. I mean, two, 202,000 Bitcoins is. I mean, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. Yeah. In fact, it's, uh, in the, in the days, in the price. Yeah. And the time value of money, you know, just the interest on 202,000 bitcoins is a lot of money. So when you're holding this up, yeah, man, that, that's just, that seems like such a bad idea to me. Uh, my trust in the states professor in law school, he, he, he'd help people, you know, create their asset protection plans and like Rancho Santa Fe, California, which, like lots of money. And one of his clients was like, yeah, you know, came up with this and he's like, well, how about instead of like the $5 million life insurance policy, how about a $20 million life insurance policy? And he told him, he was like, do you really want somebody to have this $20 million uh, financial incentive for you not to be around anymore? Yeah. (laughs) And and the guy kind of thought about it and he was like, Oh yeah, that's not a good idea. I, like we'll just stick with the five million dollars. Right. So yeah, I mean this is this just seems like a really bad idea for for Peter because two hundred two thousand bitcoin. The, the Mt. Gox creditors have missed out on two hundred million dollars. Yeah, uh, because Peter's held up this lawsuit. Uh, that, I mean, that just seems like a really bad idea to me to be gumming up the works uh, in any type of a way. But it's, it's insane. It, it seems like. People don't really care or they're not aware because he's, he's still out there, uh, offering his security consulting services and I guess he's getting business. So yeah. Well, I mean, I know, I know several people that, you know, have millions of dollars tied up in Mt. Gox claims mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, they might just not know that it's solely the result of this one particular person who's, uh, gumming up the works and not letting them get their, their funds back. Yeah. I wouldn't say, to be clear, I wouldn't say he's, the only thing, you know, that, you know, if, if you weren't around tomorrow, we would all have our money. <laughs> you know, there may be other, other like minor things uh, left to do, but this is definitely the major, by far the major the largest issue. thing. But yeah. it's not Kraken's fault. Like if. No, I mean, we've got. If this were resolved, you guys could get those 202,000 bitcoins distributed like I think really it, quick. It would be fairly quick. Yeah. I, I think there's nothing else major to deal with at this point. Yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of shift gears to, uh, scalability issues. Not at the protocol level, but at the business issue, uh, at the business infrastructure level. I mean, we're dealing with, I mean, new verification of new accounts. I mean, or mm-hmm. how about, how about a Kraken? Are we seeing like new accounts being funded? What's it look like compared to like historical trends? Yeah, it's been crazy. The last quarter, uh, was, was by far maybe 10x above the largest previous quarter. So the growth has been immense. Uh, we have been getting 4,000 support tickets a day. Uh, we've hired per day. day. Yeah. So, uh, and and it's a lot, you know, it's not all like easy questions. Part of the, um, you know, this happens in, in any rally where you get a lot of newbies coming in, um, and they have a lot of newbie questions. And, um, it also, 
it also tends to strain our banking and payments relationships, which, which just further compounds the issue. Uh, so, you know, the guys that we use for payment processing are banks. They might be fine with, with what the usual volume is, but in overnight 10 X in wire transfers or, um, KYC requests, because we often, um, they will often want to do enhanced diligence, right? And if they have to do 10 X what their usual enhanced diligence is, they might need to hire more people themselves or, you know, maybe they're sending wires with a team of five people that are manually typing the wires in. But when you 10 X your number of wires you're sending through, they're faced with the question of, okay, should we just let this backlog of wires accumulate or should we like 10, you know, hire 45 more people on our wires team mm-hmm. and how long is this going to last? And what does it mean if this drops off later and then we have to fire 45 people, you know, in, in some countries, uh, firing 45 people is not years. easy. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so, um, it strains kind of the whole system when you've got that kind of growth. Uh, it would, it would obviously be much nicer to have gradual growth, uh, but nice organic growth, not you know, these gigantic bubbles. Right. Uh, good problem to have, of course. First world problem. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I'm always fearful because we lived through this in, at the end of 2013 uh-huh. before, right? Where we had the run up from like 200 to and then the bear 1200 market. Yeah. and then a bear market for like a year and a half after that. Uh, and we went from, we had about 35 people in the company at, uh, at the peak in, in late 2013, early 2014, we ended up having to lay off half the company, uh, which was, was meant we went back to like 12 people basically. Wow. Uh, so that was obviously tough to, you know, lay off half the team. And And a lot of them are good, good people that you need around, but we just don't have the money. Absolutely. Yeah. So we really struggled through that that period of time finally became profitable again, um, at, at the end of 2015 and have been doing well since, uh, the, the, um, increasing growth in the ecosystem of, of more coins and the market cap increasing. And, um, the activity has obviously been, been good for the business, but now we're kind of like in the situation again, this time, instead of 15 people, uh, you know, we, we've hired 150 in the last two months, Hired 150 people. Hired 150 people. Are there even that many people who know like <laughs> what crypto is? <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you have Not to you, for you, jobs. You have to get them trained. You have to get them like brought up to speed. Understand yeah. all this stuff. Understand Kraken specifically. Like what's going on right. in their role. I mean, yeah. How do so, you how do you scale up like this? It's tough. There's obviously a lot of training that goes into um, teaching people how to answer support tickets. So we've I mean, we had the system in place already, but basically there's a triage system and, and, uh, when people fill out support tickets, we try to get as much information as we can upfront in kind of the pre, uh, submission survey, uh, so that it gets directed to people who, who know how to deal with that issue. Uh, so we've kind of got a first wave of people that will evaluate the simpler issues. You know, when you have a lot of newbies coming in, they have a lot of newbie questions that, that can be answered relatively simply. You don't really need to understand the intricacies of how Kraken works to, um, to answer their tickets. Um, but many tickets are related to funding issues, which are related to scaling issues at our funding partners. So, so it's even um, just beyond what you're able to yeah, control over anyways. Right. Exactly. So it can, it can be out of our hands. I mean, we've had 
we've had a, a queue of, you know, at, at its height of 500 people waiting to be waiting to receive the uh, enhanced verification or enhanced review by our, our payments partner. And, um, you know, that was like a backlog that, that was like two weeks long, basically at the pace that they were getting through them. And, uh, you know, you basically got two choices. You can either wait or you can go find another bank or payments partner. And that's not easy to do either. You know, you can't do that overnight. We've kind of, um, uh, you know, the, the guys that have taken us on have, have taken some risk and, and they're very forward thinking and, and they're very pro Bitcoin. So it's not that like they're bad. It's just for whatever reason, it might be the laws where they're at or whatever, they're having trouble scaling well, themselves. It's just an egg going through a snake, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's part of what makes you legendary, right? So, <laughs> someone said, you know, what makes you legendary? You, you outlive everybody else. <laughs> and so, I mean, how many, how many Bitcoin companies didn't survive the bear market? A lot didn't survive, you know, you or know. or they got acquired. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kraken made a few acquisitions, right? Like, uh, let's see, you had Coinsetter, Clydera, mm-hmm. Crypto Watch. Yep. Maybe yep. you'd want to talk a little bit about some of those, how that went. Yeah, these are all good. Um, so with with Coinsetter, we acquired a lot of users. Uh, we didn't keep the product around. It was it was basically a user acquisition. Um, we got a couple people for the team, which was great. Uh, you know, it's always good. Um, you know, I, I love, I love the, um, the people component of taking on new, new businesses, especially another exchange. You get all the institutional knowledge that they've built and then you, you get to incorporate it into your organization and, and mm-hmm. kind of learn it. It's sort of like the, um, the Highlander way of, uh, of growing your knowledge. You know, you like, this is a bad analogy, but you know, you cut off the head of your opponent and then you like <laughs> download their knowledge. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. <laughs> right. Uh, well, how so, about, how about the Glidera with uh crack and direct? Like, uh, so that was really good. Um, we got a, a couple great team members there. We got our COO Dave, uh, out of that. We got a great product, uh, which is integrated with many wallets. Uh, and it's a great way for people that, they want a very simple way from their mobile wallet to buy or sell Bitcoin. Um, and Kraken, the exchange is used on the back end to source the liquidity for that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so strong synergy there. Um, it's a product we've got big plans for. We'd like to build out a lot more. Right now it only supports Bitcoin in dollars, but um, we want to get it to, to the point where uh, you can do any of the currencies that Kraken supports, uh, including cryptos and fiats. Uh, so we got big plans for Glycera, uh, which we now call Crack and Direct. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the uh, the jobs page, I think, uh, in preparation for the interview, jobs.lever.co forward slash Kraken. Like, I was looking at there, you know, just looking what you guys are hiring. I mean, 150 people in the last two months. There's uh, VP of Engineering, mm-hmm. Compliance Officer. Uh, analyst. I mean, that's an interesting one. Like, how about how about this analyst? Like, why do you need crypto analysts? Like, what exactly would they be doing? And and how's that going to help Kraken like grow or whatever? Yeah. So, I think the analyst position is pretty fun. If you're already into crypto, you're researching all the coins that come out. Um, might as well get paid to do it. We basically need somebody in house. I mean, we have this already, but there's so many coins now. It's just 
it takes a lot of resources to, to evaluate and track everything that's happening from, um, ICO launch date to the kind of, uh, to, to when it becomes actually tradable. Um, is it something we want to list? Is it a scam? Um, how much, you know, what's the public sentiment around it? Uh, are there any major criticisms? Is there, is there a large community around it? What do our clients want us to do? Uh, so there's, there's a lot to evaluate. You know, I, I think there's a new coin launching like every day mm-hmm. this month, you know, it, it's just insane. So, um, we basically need someone to collect all the information, kind of review the protocol and, and, and the project as a whole, uh, you know, are the founders known, uh, um, and, and make a pitch internally, uh, to what we should list or how we should prioritize, you know, what should be the next 10 coins that crack and lists and why, and, um, you know, what's the business case. So, uh, you know, there's so many coins coming out. There's obviously a lot of work to be done there. Um, we want to have all the information collected and in, um, a standardized way internally so that anytime someone wants to look internally to know, uh, you know, we need to calendar things like this is the launch date for the coin. So that needs to queue up this process internally for, uh, training the support team on how to deal with those tickets for, um, PR marketing, any announcements we want to make. Uh, so there's a whole process that kind of goes into place with it, with any coin launch. Uh, so having some advanced warning in, in decision about what the roadmap is going to be is very helpful. So that's kind of what that job is. And we could use a few of those people. Yeah, what uh, what about uh, customer support? I mean, let's get these this ticket backlog uh, fixed. Like, yeah, so this is a massive problem. At the at the height, we had a backlog of fifty thousand tickets. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now we're at the point where we're solving twenty five thirty percent more tickets per day than we're getting. So we're clearing the backlog pretty quickly. How long do you think it'll take to have, have that rest of that backlog clear? I think uh, it shouldn't. We should be clear by the end of July. Oh, for sure. That's our, that's our target. That's a little uh, less weaselly than a, than a date on the new trading engine. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) actually that has been held up due to, uh, well, in part one, putting out fires related to just the massive growth, you know, we're, we're struggling just to keep the servers from falling over at this point. (laughs) You know, we thought we had a little bit more time. Um, so you know, uh, efforts were diverted away from, from actually implementing the new trading engine to just keeping everything running. Um, but also we hit a hiccup with the, the hardware, the new trading engine is going to be running on. It's, it's pretty specialized stuff. And, um, there was some shortage of a particular component of, of some of that hardware that, uh, we've been waiting to be filled. So when it gets out, uh, I mean, are we looking at nice new spiffy Porsche or, uh, yeah, I mean, at least be? a thousand X improvement in in what bandwidth throughput, bandwidth throughput, yeah. latency, like all the stuff you're able to yeah. like process and crunch through. Basically, wow. yeah, the uh, the days of <laughs> slowness on the website should be over. Huh. Um, that should be coming very soon. Well, that's exciting. Uh, well, what about what about developers? I mean, it seems everybody I talk to in the crypto space always needs developers. Do you guys need developers here? Yeah, basically unlimited developers from crypto developers that will work on implementing crypto gateways. Um, the more advanced, maybe more interesting things we want to do uh, with 
with blockchain technology or, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, I, I won't talk about it, but, uh, a lot of cool things we have in progress that are you know, working on blockchains directly. Um, does for all sorts of stuff, man. We're, we're hiring. Uh, so we're building out, we have several teams. One is just internal tools to make the support team more efficient. Uh, so, you know, there, there were some inefficiencies in that process that were slowing people down, you know, just some things required, you know, three clicks when they could have taken one. Mm-hmm. And when you're at the scale of tickets that we're dealing with 50,000 tickets, you're talking about 150,000 clicks instead of yeah. one click, right? Yeah. <laughs> can eat up a lot of time. So, you know, when you have that many people, we've got, you know, close to 200 people now dealing with support issues. And, um, you know, if, if you can make all those guys 25% more efficient, you save yourself from hiring another 50 people. Mm-hmm. So working on those tools has been a big project and, um, we're trying to really give them them great tools. Uh, yeah, streamline, automate, outsource as much as you can, and yeah. work on the remaining. Yeah. So we've also got the Crypto Watch project, which uh, which is another acquisition that you mentioned. Uh, constantly adding features to that. It's it's the the new trading interface for Kraken. So you can also see it at trade.kraken.com. Um, it's got great tools, great charts. Um, so that's a full team. Uh, we've got the, the complete website redesign is another team mobile. Uh, that's pretty much, uh, and, and the Glidera project as well. Wow. Uh, so several teams within the company. And so we kind of need devs of all kinds across the board. What, you know, kind of, kind of to in the podcast we've gone for a while here, but, uh, where do you see the, I mean, you're, you're at the very nexus of the old system and the new system. You're helping people get across this giant chasm from mm-hmm. the old world into the new world yep. with crypto assets. What, what do you think of this crypto industry? We're eight years into it. Where do you see it going? Like, what are your, what are your general thoughts? I think if the source of our, most of our tickets is any indication, um, it's just going to continue to grow. You know, 90% of our support tickets are related to some sort of fiat payments problem. So people having issues one way or the other, getting fiat in or out. And uh, on the crypto side, no problems. Like rarely do we get a ticket about somebody having a problem funding their account with crypto. You know, it's usually like a U.S. dollars thing and it's caught at some intermediary bank or it's caught at their bank or, or whatever. <clears throat> so... I think the space has easily 10 to 100x room to grow and and probably even further than that. Uh, So, you know, I think the next five years are going to be extremely interesting. Uh, Some countries like Japan uh, have put together reasonable regulation that's very uh, favorable to the industry that has has given room to uh, big banks and other traditional financial institutions to, to get involved in the space somehow and expose Bitcoin to their clients or offer Bitcoin trading to their clients. So I think it's just going to, it's going to continue to become more mainstream and more governments around the world are going to become, uh, they're, they're going to hand out, uh, responsible, uh, reasonable regulation. And, uh, it's just going to grow from there. You know, I think in, in some way, it's nice that we don't have very clear regulation, but it's, it would also be nice to have clear regulation because I, th- I think 
it's kind of capping the growth in the countries where we don't have clarity and we don't want clarity like we have in New York, which is the bit license, which is, is basically, you know, you're going to live a tortured existence if you want to do deal anything. with Bitcoin activity there. Um, you know, we, we, uh, it would be great just to be, to, to have the same standards as, um, any other kind of payment processor. Uh, but you know, with, with the risks or with the rules kind of controlled for specifically what the risks are with crypto. And, and a lot of those risks are gone because many of the risks come from middlemen and intermediaries. And when you don't have that, when you have multi-sig, you don't need someone to custody for you. Uh, the risks are gone. So that just needs to be addressed. Coin center is doing a great job uh, with this. And um, I think we're making progress. Yeah. Well, it's been a wonderful interview. Uh, thanks so much for s- taking the time to sit down, uh, give everybody in this crypto space, uh, you know, an update on, you know, where the largest exchange sits in terms of this whole BIP 148, New York agreement, Segwit, Frankenwit, whatever <laughs> it is, uh, mess, uh, the Mount Gox distribution. I know there are a lot of people who want to, want to get their 202,000 Bitcoins out and then just, mm-hmm you know, where the real issues are at, you know, scaling the companies in addition to uh, scaling at the protocol level. So, yeah, you know, thanks so much for being with us. Keep up the good work and uh, we'll have you on again. All right. Thanks, Trace. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 